Welcome podcast listeners. Today on the No Labels, No Limits podcast, we have a great guest, Josiah Bruni. Now, I know a number of my listeners are from the Southern California area and specifically um, the San Bernardino area and people are going to know and love Josiah as it is already. But he has an interesting story of having a dream and awareness as a young man and then actually rolling that out. And today he has a nonprofit organization that is impacting kids' lives. So Josiah, could you share a little bit about yourself, what you think are some maybe some things people should know about you? And then let's talk about your story. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah, for having me on this morning. So first off, what people should know is I am the Toms of music and art. We dreamed of a dream 20 years ago to teach kids how to teach them their music, publishing, their royalties. And it's now a robust after-school program that has exceeded my thoughts by far. How did that even come to you to think about doing that, though? Well, at the time, Sarah, um, I was working for my older brother, Wang Ji. And I was a street team promoter. And so I would run his campaigns and tour the world selling CDs with my father. Let me take you back to about 98, 97, right? And you would hear all these stories of musicians selling thousands of records, but being broke. It just baffled me. And I said, how could someone sell 10 million, 20 million records, but not have any money? And so that's what set me on my dream to teach kids how to own their publishing and royalties. So that's what I was going to ask you. So that was a factor of the contractual arrangements or the arrangements that those artists had with a studio? Yeah, yeah. And it's little words like gratuity, you know, I'll take 100% and you get 50%. With royalties, you got to realize 100% is really 50%. And so you have to start off with 50 and then go down from there to break down the 100%. You understand? I don't explain it to me. So, <laughs> so yeah. So you're taking fifty off the top, is what you're telling me. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So you've taken the whole pie that. off the top, yeah. And so the fifty equates to a hundred. Then you have to break down the shares from there. So if you get one percent of fifty percent, then that's like called a point. It's ten ten percent. And so it goes by a system. So when you entered into that world, so you go from a street team, right? You don't have that percentage. It's yours, right? It's coming to you selling and exactly. you your expenses, obviously your production expenses and all of whatever the costs are into producing the music. When you went to your grandma to talk about the idea of helping kids, what was her reaction? She loved it. Um, she was actually a film uh, enthusiast and would write ch children films. And so she, that's what, what her dream was. And so I had to get into this mind state of saying, well, Grandma, you know, I could help you with your film. And you come and you write children plays and then we get the kids to participate in it and then just make it this whole ensemble of after school programming. And so she was very happy about it. Sadly, thereafter, like maybe 10, 10 years in, once we were getting ready and starting a tour, um, she had a stroke, a really bad stroke, and it took her out the game. And I promised her that I would get the dream off the ground and make it happen. And thank God. To this day, she's been able to see it come true. Knowing that you had made that commitment to and with her, did that help fuel you when you hit some hard times? Oh, yeah. There was many. Um, you know, and when we did the grand opening, 
rest in peace to my aunt Terry. I mean, she had passed the month. I think she passed Mother's Day. And this was my aunt that had been cheering me on and telling me things like, stop saying you're broke. You don't have enough money to do something. Stop saying I can't. She would just keep pushing me and start to change my conversation. She would say, talk positive, you know, and talk it into existence. And so she was the one that I really wanted to see this dream come true. And she uh, she didn't get to see it. But like I said, thank goodness my other family has. And they've got to walk through the buildings and see the kids perform that we talked about performing. And, you know, there's kids now that are number two on the platform of music and their genres. And so we're just a blessed organization to have that come true. So I want you to talk a little more about your organization, but before you do that, we go back, you just said something kind of in casual conversation that I know is really powerful and that's changing our inner dialogue. And your aunt encouraged you to do that, right? To yes. talk positive, talk it into existence. When she first told you that, did it make sense to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. How did you get from yeah, auntie to actually doing it? Yeah, because you got to see, right? So at first, I had a studio in the home. And so I'm trying to go from a home studio to an 18,000 square foot building at the time. And it was the EDD building in Redlands. I was trying to buy it. It was going for like $5 million. And so I would be um, complaining and saying, well, you know, how am I going to buy a building at $5 million? I'm only, uh, I think, 27 at the time. <laughs> and so... I went and we toured the building and the the director was there cleaning out her office. She asked me, she said, what is a kid like you about to buy this building for $5 million for? And I told her my dream. I said, well, ma'am, I want to open this building and make it just strictly for kids. We're going to build studios, art labs, and it'll be free for the community. She says, oh my God, my son has been doing this in my garage and I've been trying to get him to go and do it in, t in, in a community center. If I teach you how to do that, will you go do it? And I said, you're saving me $5 million? Yes, I will. <laughs> I said, I said, I said ma'am, can you adopt me? <laughs> and really, and the, now the broker, the real estate broker is kind of mad because here's the deal, it's on the table. And here's this lady telling me she can teach me to do it, to partner with cities. And that's how this conversation started to go into the Redlands Community Center. And what so, if you wouldn't have talked out loud your dream to somebody else, you know, right? And kept it inside of you. She wouldn't oh, have to offer. And so that is the power of it. That's what I was getting to say. Is she taught me to just speak it and just believe it, and then go after it, and you'll find it. And I was like, oh my goodness! And just you, you were helping me reflect on that right now is major. Thank you, thank you. Well, it's. I think those are the things we say because they're part of our life. Like my aunt told me to this and, you know, and it's normal because that's you, right? But that's yeah. really powerful for someone to interrupt your patterned thinking and help you go, what? Mm. And, but you were right. the one who actually shared it, which could be, you know, that could be risky. You might've just in your head said, yeah, what am I doing trying to spend $5 million? Instead you shared. So that's yeah. really powerful, Josiah. That's pretty amazing too, though, that you were in that room doing a walkthrough. Yes. So yes. take us a little further now. So did you meet her son? No, I never got to meet her son. Her, I tried to, but the son was just really lazy. And so um, she then got with me and she, she was like, look, my son's too lazy. He doesn't want to do it. I said, ma'am, 
I don't need your son. I have my own money. I'm ready to go. All I need you to do is sit me down and teach me how to sell the project to the city. And we sat down and she, she taught me how to do so. And we went, um, she said, all I can do is make the introduction. Now, Redlands at the time was going to an era where they had just cut their programs from spending. So no longer would they be paying directly from the city. And they were looking for independent contractors. And so I went to a level of saying, okay, Redlands, I want to put a studio in here. Let's build this sitter and let's make an art lab. Now, the director at the time is looking at me saying, my job's on the line. I'm closing the door. I can give you the computers. (laughs) I said, I don't want the computers. I want the building. And so he was like, all I can do is take you to the mayor and you got to sell it to the mayor. And if the mayor says yes, then we can go forward. I went, I proposed to John Harrison at the time. He was the sitting mayor. And he's like, how are you going to do this? Da, 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 da. I said, well, John, I got my own money. I'm going to build my studio in your art lab and an art lab. And we're going to go out and we're going to teach kids music and arts. And I guarantee you this independent contractor will stay here and be here until the life of me. God bless us. We've been there now 10 years. That was 10 years ago. That's like when the economy was tanking. We're oh, yeah. Through that. So he probably thought... You were either crazy or a godsend. One or the other. Right. And they gave me six months. <laughs> okay. He, to- he said, you have six months, literally. And he said, if it doesn't work in six months, you got to go. I said, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot all those conversations. Thank you. So he says, yes, you're in. How did you, I mean, that's a big step, right? Now you've got a time clock ticking get it done in six months. What'd you do? Who did you bring in to help you? Or did you already have that lined up before you had the building? No, I, I, I had no clue. It was me and my buddy, uh, Christopher Bechtel, a uh, young uh, t- tattoo artist now, uh, bless his heart. And well, I had my cash to build my studio, but I didn't know how we were going to build the studio or what, right? And so me and Chris came and we sat down, we, we toured the building after they gave us the okay. And there were all these beautiful rooms in the, in the center that they wanted me to utilize. And then there were these storage rooms that were once locker rooms. I told him, I said, I want this. I said, we're going to clean the storages out and I want this to be the studios and we're going to have Studio A and Studio B one day. And they all looked at me again like I was crazy because there's like big cockroaches and you know bugs in this building at the time because it was literally just for storage and like old stuff. And I said, no, we're going to clean this up and this is going to be the studio. And now we have two beautiful studios there that kids use. You just I call it we- stuff into existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's how it all started. So talk to us about the kids and what the impact that music and art has had on. We know from research how powerful being able to be expressive is, but you have direct experience with young men and women who have dreams about being music artists and have had a chance because of your work. Talk about some of the kids who have been in music changing lives and what's happened. Yeah, so the one that comes to mind off the top this young Curtis Brooks, this young gentleman was, he came into our program. He, he is a saxophonist and he just inspired to be one of the greats. And he, he could hear music and just play. Uh, he didn't really uh, read the music. And so we got somebody with him for three hours. He was in our first Changing Life Showcase program, uh, which is a competition where kids compete to see who's the best at music and art. And this kid, he, he stuck it out and he studied and he learned to read his music. And now he's touring the world. 
And he's number two on Neo Jazz Soul. So if you like jazz music, look up Curtis Brooks. C-U-R-T-I-S Brooks. B-R-O-O-K-S. So he was one of your first. Well, no, not one of the first, but one of the ones that sticks out the most. Because he actually listened and he followed the path. And now, like I said, he's number two on the internet in Neo Jazz Soul. I mean, it's like just amazing. Like we took his dream and fast tracked him within 21 weeks and the kid just ran with it and he didn't look back. Another girl that I think of is Nakia Jackson. This girl, she came in, she was another one of those first Changing Lives Showcase participants. And she basically has now excelled every barrier. She can sing cover songs from like Adele, anyone you put to her. I mean, her voice is amazing. We actually got her an autographed Adele uh, lyric sheet because she sang so good at one of the fundraisers we did. Let's say I'm one of the kids coming into the program and I walk in, what happens to me? Like, how do I enter? What is, is there a structured program or what's it like? Oh, yes. We have two phases. So one is a safe haven zone that we have where you come to our community centers. And then the other pattern is the Changing Lives Showcase. Now, they're two different because one is operated at the centers where it's six days a week and they can drop in anytime they want to create music or art on Monday through uh, Thursday currently. And so, or no, sorry, Monday through Saturday um, uh, at the community centers. And so that's where kids are coming in. They're recording, they're producing their music, they're making art, they're creating T-shirts, all sorts of stuff there. Then we have the Changing Lives Showcase where kids are... Uh, we are partner with Moreno Valley um, Unified School District, and it's a first-come, first-served basis at five schools. So we got two elementaries, two middle schools, and one high school currently. And these kids compete to see who's the best at music and arts. And that program lasts for 21 weeks. So it's very fast. It's very protective of saying, what are you here to really create? You come in for two weeks. You travel through all our programs there. You do music, you do art, you could do dance, you could do singing, you could do instruments. After the two weeks, you got to figure out what it is you want to actually do. And so they say, oh, I want to do music or I want to do art. And then you're into that category and it's time to compete against your peers. And that is a beautiful showcase that I say is based off of something like America's Got Talent for kids. And it's on steroids. (laughs) Last year before, we had almost 260 kids compete in one night. I mean, it was like a four-hour show. I learned my lesson there and said, it has to now be the best of the best. So this year we had, I say, about 60 kids compete to see who was the best at those school sites. And it's become a phenomenon. When the kids come in, do they change? You see it instantly, actually. Um, these kids, they're so enthused. And this is where I was talking with Dr. Karthnick. I'm working with him on the, the way that we accept our students. Some of these kids are just on it, right? And they, they're so energetic. And it's the first 50, right, to get into the program. So, of course, they're going to be the excelling kids. But now we want to do kind of a lottery because there's such a large waiting list. So we're going to do like a, a lottery of maybe say uh, uh, the computer picks the kids now but uh, and see how we have the same reaction. But from what we see now, these kids are just so enthused and just want to compete. I mean, they want to prove that they're the best. It's amazing. What we've seen is young kids come in that are like in first or second grade where people are like, these kids can never remember a song, right? Or these kids could never do what you're telling them to do. 
and they get on that stage and do better than some of the artists that do it themselves. Okay. And so it's amazed me. Like I said, it's gone far beyond what I thought I would ever do. Um, like I told you in the beginning, all I wanted to do was teach kids how to own their publishing and not be robbed by the system. And, <laughs> and so it's so much more now. So yeah, it's amazing. Do you still have the opportunity to teach them the business side of the music and art? Good question. That's in the, the week of working with the kids. So like I say, we have 21-week curriculum that we go through. You teach them etiquette. You teach them how to dress for success. We teach them how to actually close deals. Uh, we teach them how to look at contracts and what words to be looking out for. Um, and then we work with the families that want to actually take it to the next level and say, if you really want to get your kid to become a star, this is what you have to do. And we try to fast track them, I say, and give them positive peer pressure to make them get to where they need to go. What's been one of the most unexpected but exciting things that has happened? Probably there have been many. So let's just think over the last six months, Josiah. Wow. Six months. There's some things I can't talk about, but I just say, wow. I have been given so many opportunities. And I'm known as now the thought thinker for music and arts in our region and beyond on a global scale. So the one for six months for me is we're going to be going into Tijuana, Haiti, and Brazil with the program. I have school leaders that I'm working with. I call it boots on the ground. Just how, you know, there was a saying, if you really want to make change, you have to think and strategize like people that strategize for war. And so I said, okay, we're going to create a program called Boots on the Ground, where we find people that want to be on the ground in these other countries and other third world places and do a global changing life showcase where kids can compete against the students from the U.S. versus other students. And so it's about to happen. And I say by 2020, you know, we'll be up and running uh, with it strong. So that, that's like the most amazing thing that happened. That's just 2020 is just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. That's pretty. I'm just waiting on new, new, new governments to come in place. So a few, a few days. <laughs> just a few days with music. Yes. Yes. With music and arts. And we're now working with the ministries of education, working with UNICEF. I mean, looking at just different ways to become a global thought leader for kids, because I'm trying to change the, the dropout rates. I want to make a million millionaires. I mean, there's 7 billion people in the world and growing, right? And so if I can't touch a million people and teach them how to own their own intellectual properties and how to become millionaires, I'm not doing my job. I'm sorry. So what is one key life lesson you've learned that you would either share with someone who is coming into the program or with yourself before you turned 17 and went out there and started doing this? Something that you wished you knew at that point that might have helped you? The thing I wish I knew when I was starting out in the industry is really how to own my own intellectual properties too and, and how to get into patent my processes, right? And to patent and copyright some of my ideas because I gave a lot of ideas to a lot of big people. And if they would have been patented or copywritten, I'd be a very wealthy guy right now. So, um, and I think that's where you really have to become guarded and know like NDAs need to be on the table. 
um, non-competes, you know, do your business. I don't care who they are, if they're family, whatever. Now it's um, paperwork is paperwork. And if you're scared of my lawyer, I'm scared of you um, <laughs> because, you know, the lawyers are the good guys, you know, and they, they just make sure that we all are on the same page and that we're not getting robbed. And, you know, sometimes they can kill deals and you got to know when to pull out, you know, and just be fair and when to stop negotiating. But you need to be secured on paper at all times, even if it's just a memorandum of understanding, like, hey, I'm doing this, you're doing that. Great. Um, handshake deals are out of the door now. You know, that's old school. You know, I don't want to do that. Let's do good business. And so that's what I wish I knew back, back in the day. I was eager to get music changing lives off the ground and it wasn't something to where I was scared to share freely. And so a lot of people have started to copy my style and duplicate what I do in my processes. But uh, we have something new coming that nobody knows about. And so we well, will be patented in the future. <laughs> but, but also sharing freely helps you get to your one million faster. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we have to be able to get our name recognition on it. Like it's going to be a free share. Right. Um, and I love what you said, because that's the thought. But, you know, it's kind of like when uh, Wallace Foundation br brings out a budget or something or Annenberg supports you. They just say, just put my name on it. You know, say, hey, Annenberg stamped, approved, you know, and shout out to Annenberg, big one, because they, they, they help build us. Shout out to IECC. Um, you know, people like that, you should be willing to shout them out and say, thank you, you know, for what you taught me. Shout out to SEI as well. Like, for real, I now know my true cause value because someone cared enough to share something with me and teach me how to do it. I shouldn't go back and say, hey, that was me, you know, all me. And that's what I told one of my students. They said, um, I'm self-made. I said, no, I'm not. There's thousands of people that have molded me into who I am today. And I have to give them all the credit. And that's why I'm so appreciative of that. Boy, you couldn't have said anything more true, right? None of us is where we are on our own. Yeah. I guess I have two questions for you. What are your success habits? What are the things that you do regularly, whether it's daily, weekly, or whatever, that allow you to continue to be successful and also help you regenerate yourself since you are on the go so much? Yes, that's a great question. So um, I can't think of the author's name right now, but there was a class I took that taught me, you know, business hours, you have to have like your nine to five, and then you have to have the time when you shut off and you have family time. Now that I have kids and, and my boys now, I do that. So I have my nine to five and then I come to my boys and then boom, they have maybe six to 12 or six to 10 whenever they fall asleep. And then I take my nap and then I wake up maybe around 2 a.m. and I start working on my projects. And I love getting up early in the morning when it's very quiet and no one's awake and I can just really hammer it out. And so that's how my body's programmed now to where I have a lot of times for everything and everyone um, because you have to be able to give each point 100%. And then also know when it's time to say no. So a lot of people, once you start making it, will start clinging on to you um, because they see the, the, the bright star in you now. But you got to know when to say no and when to say, yo, that's not for me or not right now. And before I used to take on so much, I would get burnout. And so I've learned how to back away uh, because some people don't do the same for you. And so it's a new saying, uh, if you got my back, I got yours. <laughs> and so th those are the type of things that you have to 
do as a, as a leader. Did you learn that because you reached burnout or you just learned it by trial and error that this person or this situation doesn't fit me anymore? By trial and error, <laughs> indeed. Uh, it took me, I say, 15 years to, to truly learn it. And it's this year, honestly, where I'm really learning to just be okay with telling people no. It's after I went to SEI that I start thinking of, okay, my time is valuable. I have something that is really changing lives. And it's a pattern that people are not only copycatting, but using now as uh, best practice and saying, if you do this for kids, it works. And we've been screaming it for maybe 20 years. So it's like, okay, let's get ourselves in the mix. Let's change the DNA. Uh, what's the data prove? What's our narrative? And what is going to be our action point to be in this world and be known as that thought thinker for music change the lives? I'm excited for, you know, the local community that you're in, but also for the broader community as this spreads and people get fired up about doing the same thing in their communities and become your boots on the ground. Because having a chance to meet you, God, it's almost been a year, and watch kind of the video and just your own commitment to the work and seeing the impact you have, I know how powerful this is. So I'm excited that you took out time from a busy schedule to um, have time with us today and share with our audience. So as you're heading out, tell me the best place you would like people to connect with you if they wanna know more about you or become your boots on the ground and, and just get into the a Music Changing Lives movement with you. Awesome, I love you and thank you, Sarah, as well for what you've given us. Your encouragement, I remember just the day I was doing my pitch, and you said, you got this, this is you. And that was so funny because I, I, I don't know if you remember, I told you, I said, that's what I always tell my students is to just tell yourself, you got this, it's okay. And I was like, what? And so I looked at you and you were like my angel. And I went up there and I killed it. And so thank you for that. That brought tears to my eyes right now, um, just knowing that. I mean, just connect with me, you know, stop looking on the outside. Don't look at, you know, I'm young or we're young people or don't think that it's just hip hop or R&B. We do all genres of music, all types of art. It's nothing degrading. Go to our website, help contribute. If you're free, come out on the 31st of August and tour our facility as well. Um, we're having a celebrity basketball game. Just come join with us and be with us and get involved. Become an ambassador. Let's start this program in your community at your schools because it's replicable now. Very cool. And this is actually going to air the day before the 31st. So you'll have a chance to let people know to listen to you and come on out and see the basketball game too. Awesome. I thank you, Sarah. All right. Thanks, Josiah. And um, I know that this is family time that you took out. So again, thanks a bunch. and. If you're going to be at the Thrive Conference, I'll see you there. You will. You will. Thank you. Thank All you. All right. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. So that's it for this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.